Good morning. I'm Chris Farrell, and you're listening to NPR News, and I'm glad you could join us today. So, have you noticed how gambling, you know, especially online gambling, has gone mainstream? I mean, look, you can't escape the ads on TV urging you to bet on sports. And online trading firms like Robinhood have turned investing in stocks into something more like a video game. And young adults are at risk. Today's young people are the first generation that grew up in a society where gambling is widely available and heavily promoted. Gambling companies are creatively and successfully blurring the lines between online gambling and video gaming. So is anyone really surprised that problem gambling is on the rise among young people? Between 60 and 80 percent of high school students report having gambled for money in the past year. That's according to the National Council on Problem Gambling. Now, much of that activity, it's sporadic, it's harmless, it's fun, but not all. Somewhere between 4 and 6 percent of high school students who said they had gambled in the previous year are addicted. Another 6 to 8 percent are at risk of developing a serious gambling problem, the group estimates. So these are... These are disturbing numbers, yet gambling prevention and treatment programs in the states are a poorly funded patchwork. What hasn't changed is an observation made by a former colleague of mine years ago when he looked into corporate America taking over the gambling business from the mob. For everyone but the house, gambling is a bad bet. So to learn more about problem gambling and what can be done about it, I'm joined by Susan Sheridan Tucker. She is the executive director of the Minnesota Alliance on Problem Gambling. Welcome. Hi, Chris. Thanks. Great great to be with you this morning. And I want to hear from you. Have you struggled with a gambling addiction? How do you feel about the possibility of legalized sports betting in Minnesota? What is your gambling story? The phone lines are open. Give us a call at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. And Susan, just to start off, what is problem gambling? Because, I mean, all of us, you know, we go out there. You, you make a fling, you, you, you make a little bet, there's a, there's a Super Bowl is coming up. I mean, so what actually is problem gambling? So problem gambling, it's, it's really a spectrum. So um, gambling, gambling addiction uh, under the DSM-5 indicates that there are essentially nine criteria uh, to look at to see where people fall on that problem gambling spectrum. And so if you are becoming preoccupied with gambling, spending more money than you can afford to spend, you're getting more irritable, um, that, uh, that sense of preoccupation, you're starting to spend more time gambling than you are with family members where other relationships are starting to suffer. Um, these are some of the signs of problem gambling. And we ask people to be aware as you're gambling. Think about how you're feeling when you're doing this activity. And if you're showing any of those signs, then it's time to have a conversation with someone or, or perhaps just take a break. We're not vilifying gambling, but we want people to play safely because all gambling has risks and everybody needs to understand what those risks are. So we're about trying to minimize the risks, the, the risks that people take, and to uh, just to educate them on those things. And isn't this, you know, problem gambling is kind of one of those things that's a little bit under the the radar? It's not people don't pay as much attention to it. And why is that? 
Well, that's a good question. Um, again, the DSM-5 in 2013 categorized gambling. And DSM-5 is? Is the diagnostic manual that uh, all uh, mental health, behavioral health issues are diagnosed okay. under. So it became a peer addiction to substance use, basically, in 2013, and yet we still silo it. And so the services, even in this state, are siloed. Uh, The problem gambling program that is administered by the Department of Human Services, frankly, doesn't offer the same level of services for problem gambling. I don't really... I was no, going to say, do you know the, do you know the reason? To that, it is something that we're working towards uh, improving, but uh, we would like to see parity, certainly in the services provided. So, how many, you know, how does problem gambling affect someone's life? I mean, what are the, you mentioned a couple of the, of the signs uh, that you, you know, might want to think, be thinking about, but how does it actually, I mean, okay, so... You know, I invest in the stock market. We're all investing, hopefully, as many of us investing in, in the markets to uh, for our retirement and things like that. And there's a there's a speculative element to that. You're kind of betting that the stock market will continue to rise at least over a longer period of time. So how does it how does problem gambling affect someone's life? So it can it can be uh, felt by the individual certainly. Um, that they are affected immediately by the addiction. So they're feeling this need to constantly get that dopamine hit, which is true changing of the brain. There is brain activity that is being changed that is true addiction. So that's the individual uh, piece. But then for every one gambler, seven other people are impacted. Um, That could be your family, it could be your community members, your job. People who are uh, gambling addicts will often uh, not show up for work or their pro- productivity changes. So they're, uh, there's the risk of losing one's job. Relationships, we know that divorce is high. We know that there's domestic violence uh, within uh, uh, houses that have gambling addiction. Um, so there are all sorts of uh, really public health issues uh, that come about uh, because of gambling addiction. So um, give us a call. I just want to you know reach out to our audience and say you know look um, tell us your story. I mean if you or someone you know struggled with a gambling addiction, um, did you seek help? How did you deal with it? And also from um, policy, society, economy point of view. I mean, how do you feel about the possibility that sports betting in Minnesota may eventually be legalized? It's kind of, you know, it's out there, definitely. The phone lines are open. Give us a call at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. So, Susan, how did you get involved in this? So I was looking for a new job, basically, and uh, I've been an advocate most of my career. Um, I've done a lot of advocacy on affordable housing, social justice issues, voting rights issues. Yeah, because you were were at the League of uh, Women Women Voters. Voters. Yep. And and this this position came open, and and frankly, I knew nothing about – I'm not a gambler. Uh, I, I, I didn't really know about gambling addiction. Um, but the more that I read um, 
I was convinced that there is a lot here. And this organization that I belong to takes an approach where we bring all the stakeholders together who have a touch point to gambling. So I work with treatment providers. I work with people uh, in recovery. I work with the gaming industry. I um, work with researchers. You know, we all come together because we understand that a small percentage of the population are impacted by this addiction. And there are things that we can do to minimize those harms for those individuals. We're not saying gambling is bad, that it should all be stopped, but for those individuals who might have a predilection for addiction, and particularly young people, because as brain development is happening, you actually are changing brain uh, path development when kids are exposed to um, addictive activities. Mm. Um so video gaming, um, you know, if you're if you're not taking breaks, if you're doing something repetitive, um, these games are designed to to give players rewards. And so those are dopamine hits, right? right. Well, you get yes. used to those dopamine hits. They feel really good. And and so we have to be more mindful of the game designs and, and the the amount of time kids are playing. And um, and understanding what's happening when somebody engages in any of these activities. So we got a, uh, a note written by Heather in Minneapolis, and I'm, I'm curious. I just want to read this and, and get your reaction to it and how common it may be. Uh, has a college student son, and he started gambling three years ago online. He started in high school, she writes, and under 18 years old through online gaming. And he started off by winning. He was hooked. But after graduation, he took his gifted money and continued to gamble in college, where it developed into sports betting and fraternity betting. And he's lost about $1,000. Is this the kind of story that you hear a lot? It is. And I would say that it's time to have a conversation with your son uh, in terms of what is he feeling when he's engaging in this activity? You know, what is it about it that he enjoys doing? Um, certainly, uh, betting amongst your fraternity brothers, obviously a very social thing. Nothing wrong with that, as long as he's not risking things that he shouldn't be risking, money in this case, right? If um, if he can afford to lose that $1,000, okay. You know, not maybe the greatest use of a thousand dollars, but you know he's made that choice. It when it starts to become an obsession that he's doing more on his phone, that's something I would be that would raise a red flag for me. I think we need to be paying attention to all of us how much time we actually spend on our phones and what activities are we doing on those phones. Sports betting, um, online gambling are all designed to keep you playing, just like video games. There are no ends to video games anymore. You know, when games first started, there was a beginning, middle, end. You played the game, you turned it off, you went on to something else. But because of the nature of video games and the fact that kids can play and adults certainly can play with people from all around the world, it's a 24-hour cycle. So for somebody who gets gets caught up and addiction is forming, they don't want to stop playing. So I have heard college parents talking about 
you know, seeing their emaciated sons who have not showered, have not um, eaten anything because they're playing constantly on their games. They're not going to classes. Um, I mean, these are all things that we need to be aware of. That isn't necessarily gambling that we would consider a, a kind of a gaming disorder, but all of this is very meshed together. And so we want people to be aware of what the, you know, what the warning signs are and, and to be more mindful. Um, that's what all of us have, you know, the responsibility to do is for what is going to create our well-being, right? And then if it's, you know, if, if it seems, you know, this is either overwhelming or is beyond, you know, the, you know, a couple of conversations doesn't seem to be breaking through, you know, what are the, what are the options here in, in Minnesota for, for treatment, for help, support, I mean, right. reaching out? So thankfully in Minnesota, money is set aside for free treatment. So you can call 1-800-333-4673 and you can receive a referral to one of the uh, gambling counselors in the in the state of Minnesota, everybody is doing telehealth, so you're you're not limited uh, to who you can see. So, um, and family members can also receive uh, free counseling. And so, sometimes the gambler is not ready to go to counseling. So, we advise the family to seek counseling first. Um, we um, we've just introduced a new program for our counselors. Um, they have access to financial counselors who can work directly uh, with a family or an individual to to work with them because typically a gambler has destroyed their finances uh, by the time they're seeking seeking help. The other thing that we offer are um, uh, online app black blocking apps, uh, gambling blocking apps. One is called Gamban which we have purchased free subscriptions for. You'd have to contact us at mnapg.org, um, and you can uh, reach out for a free subscription, or you can upload betblocker.org. Um, that's a free subscription. doesn't cover as many sites as Gamban, but it's available. I'd also recommend that you visit our website and take our comparative survey. Um, we have uh, collected data on uh, what Minnesotans do in terms of gambling, what their behaviors are, what their <laughs> attitudes are. And it's a way, it's totally um, confidential. You take it and it'll give you an idea of how your gambling compares to other Minnesotans. Hmm. And give that number. So one our more website time. is, uh, oh, the number is 1 800 333 four six seven three okay and now i want to go to the phones and brad from bemidji has called in and brad what is your question or observation hi there uh yeah you know i, I think when it comes to this online sports betting that the sports betting itself isn't the issue um i agree with the, it's it's addiction and i think one thing i'd like to put out is up is being up in this bemidji area um the reservations up here, that's where the casinos are. And the casinos are the main source or one of the main sources of revenue for the reservations and which is filled with addiction. Um, and I mean, I mean the casinos filled with addiction and, and it doesn't help in the community as well. Cause the community has one of the highest um, drug rates and, and addiction rates in the state. 
And so when you have a, a casino as the main source of revenue, that casino, the, the employees there, the community, everybody there is then kind of pushed into this zone of being surrounded by addiction. Um, and then when, so when you see these communities, the Leech Lake community, White Earth community, Red Lake community, some of these communities up, up here that have um, struggled primarily with drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and a lot of gambling addiction, um, that sports betting throughout the state isn't, it may affect people, and it will affect people like drinking or like any other thing. It affects some more than others. But if we're talking about the addiction, the dangers of gambling addictions, we should look at some of the places um, here in Minnesota that really have statistically the worst um, uh, results from gambling and addiction. I guess I'll just hang up and listen, or if there's any other follow-up sure. questions, I can... Yeah, great. So thank you very much for, for calling in. So, you know, taking the the experience of, of the existing casino, casinos and then thinking about uh, what might be the impact as we as gambling becomes even more pervasive or even easier to do or legalize within the broader state. Yeah, I mean, clearly people are um, – there are people who are addicted uh, to slot machines, uh, to the activities at the casinos. But again, not – But, far, not, far, but not everyone. It's, it's right. still a small It's a small percentage. percentage. We're talking uh, – in, in terms of – so the, uh, the numbers in Minnesota, we – the, st- the statistics that le- statistics we like is not an easy word to say. <laughs> right, it's okay. Uh, this uh, in Minnesota, we have two hundred and fifty thousand adults who fall somewhere on the spectrum of problem gambling, and of that, fifty six thousand are likely to have a gambling addiction. Now, that's not a huge, huge number, but it's not an insignificant number either. And um, and so you know we we are uh, communicating with the casinos. Uh, we advocate for responsible gambling protocols. They they have the eight hundred number available to all their customers. There are brochures that they can uh, provide. Um, it, you know it's tricky, no doubt about it. Um, but just like any uh, tavern or bar you're going into. There's going to be a small percentage of people who can't handle their alcohol. And, you know, these are things that we have agreed to uh, make legal. Um, these are legal activities. And and so what we support are making sure that services are available for those that do find themselves addicted. And, um, you know, what does recovery look like? You know, recovery looks different for every individual, um, and there is no single path for recovery. So, uh, you know, counseling is certainly one path. Uh, There's residential. There's one residential treatment center in Minnesota, which also falls under the gambling uh, program, uh, and that is the Vanguard program out of Project Turnabout in Granite Falls. Uh, So if somebody is really feeling like they need to be extracted from their current situation and can um, be away from their job for 30 days, we would recommend, you know, going to residential treatment. But there's counseling. There are GA and other uh, peer support groups, Gamblers Anonymous, um, and there's Smart Recovery, and there are numerous um, online 
opportunities to um, participate in a peer recovery group. We have um, a long list of podcasts of people in recovery. I would recommend listening to those podcasts. There's a weekly podcast um, out of uh, New Jersey, the sports um, uh, radio station, Craig Carton, who he himself was was caught in gambling addiction, served time in jail for his uh, embezzlement of money, um, and now as part of his recovery, he is doing this half-hour podcast a podcast on a weekly basis, and you can find all those things on our website. Um, I think people have to figure out their own path, um, whether they're looking at a higher power or, you know, there's something else, uh, nature or whatever, that brings them a sense of well-being. Um, ultimately, in order to um, eliminate the addiction or to to tamper it down, um, it's it's really about you know, changing your behavior. And um, so there are certain treatment modalities that can help an individual uh, with basically rewiring your brain. I mean, that's what it comes down to. My guest today is Susan Sheridan Tucker. Susan is the executive director of the Minnesota Alliance on Problem Gambling. And I want to hear from you. Have you struggled with a gambling addiction? How do you feel about the possibility of legalized sports betting in Minnesota? What is your gambling story? Give us a call, 651 651- 227-6000. But before we get to Susan and your calls, I'd like to welcome Rochelle Olson to the show. She is a political and government reporter for the Star Tribune. Rochelle, welcome. Hi, good to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you could join us. So um, so where does sort of the, the state stand right now, you know, about legalizing a sports betting bill? It kind of seems to be, you know, I don't know, under the covers. Uh, well, I guess that would be one way to describe it. Yes, I mean it's supposedly sort of they're talking about it. Um, we don't have a formal bill yet. I mean it's going to be, I think, some sort of co- collaboration probably between the the Native American tribes, the sports teams, and Minnesota's two racetracks. All of these, all of these entities want a piece of the the action. <laughs> yes, um, and but it's kind of like working out how that how that works and what that looks like that's the really hard part so is there um you know is there who's opposed to 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 legalize sports betting i mean how do how did how do the, how does the politics line up well i mean you have uh, right now I, when i when i wrote a story a couple of weeks ago i mean there's uh, it's sort of the person i talked to was a representative who's generally opposed to gambling on principle and he, but he even feels like it's it's inevitable at this point. Um, you've got all the surrounding states that have it, and he's he's kind of like it's going to happen. I mean, so you have the people who are opposed to gambling on principle, but in a sense, they sort of feel like that ship has already sailed or is sailing, and um, that there's already been some sort of agreement to sort of expand gambling. Um, but this is obviously going to make it even easier for people to gamble. Um, I mean, a lot easier uh, in your homes and uh, on your phone. It's all about the mobile. So, so I, you know, I mean, and the tribes, um, they want a piece of the action because they've had this um, monopoly on casino gambling in Minnesota. 
And so if there's going to be this sort of expansion of gambling, they want to make sure they're at the table and get a part of it because they feel that was part of what was promised to them. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, but while you're talking, I was just thinking about, you know, if you watch uh, any of the uh, the NFL games, uh, you can't miss the the ads for sports gambling. I mean, they're front and center. Oh, absolutely. And you have some of the these very prominent, you know, generational stars in the NFL who are endorsing DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars. Um, it's all over the place. And you know, you know how it is with our phones. I mean, even just scroll, scroll, <laughs> scrolling, yes. they make they make these things so alluring. They make them so hard to break away from that. And now you translate that into a gambling app and um just the potential is is huge and then i would imagine that i mean from the state's point of view it's you know you can you're going to increase your 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 tax revenue right absolutely which is i mean you talk about people being opposed to it there are plenty of people who don't think the state should be relying on gambling revenue to to fund schools or roads or whatever um but again, there's a, there's sort of this sense of resignation that it's it's happening. It's happened. We're in. You know, we might as well get a piece of it. And I mean, I don't know how much it's going to be for the state. I mean, it could be. It's anywhere from my guess would be anywhere from tens of millions of dollars a month to hundred in excess of a hundred, like a state like New York is seeing. But it's a lot of money. Yeah, and I really liked your article uh, from a little while ago, and I read that. Um, so what should people be paying attention to, you know, if they want to kind of follow this story, follow the prospects, where uh, legalized sports gambling is uh, betting is going to go in Minnesota? Well, thank you for asking, Chris. I think they should be reading the Star Tribune. <laughs> I think they absolutely <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. That was a softball, but... But yeah, I mean, just uh, everybody's going to be all over this. I mean, we, there's a robust media presence at the legislature, and so NPR, the Star Tribune, we're we're going to be covering it. It's it's obviously it's a very high interest area, um, as anything to do with sports, especially the Vikings in this state are. So um, we're going to be all over it. All right. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking your time. Love your work. Thanks a lot. Rochelle Osen is a political and government reporter for the Star Tribune. And now, uh, Susan, I want to, before I get back to you, I want to go right to the phone lines. And I want to talk to Joe in Minneapolis, who has been uh, patiently waiting. So uh, thanks so much for calling in, Joe. And what is your uh, observation? Well, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I've been a defense attorney for about 34 years in Minneapolis. I had a number of years as a public defender. An expansion of gambling will inevitably increase crime because what I have found through my many years uh, in the legal system is that it takes people years, sometimes decades, to ruin their lives on alcohol and drugs. But on gambling, they could ruin it in one night. I've seen people literally lose it all within a matter of 24 hours. And then they resort to different things, credit card frauds, thefts, whatever it is. So by expanding this and putting this in your pocket, in your phone, I think is a terrible idea. Additionally, it's allowed to be advertised. Notice you can't advertise cocaine, fentanyl. You can't advertise on TV Jack Daniels. But you sure can the casinos and DraftKings and Caesars and everything like that. 
So we will be paying for this with greater crime, greater theft, greater fraud, and ruined lives by expanding this. And Joe, how did you get involved in the seeing this? Is it part of your oh, job? My, oh, absolutely, part of my job. I mean, I saw it when I first started out as a as an attorney back in 1989. There was basically the very beginnings of gambling, casino gambling in Minnesota. You had uh, the Supreme Court case just came out in the mid 80s, which allowed Native American tribes to go into gambling, and you just saw that. And then it exploded in the 90s. And I can't even tell you how many cases I have worked on, specifically with credit card fraud, theft by check, um, all these different types of frauds because people lost their money and were trying to get it back. Because with gambling, you have a few things. Number one, you easily lose your money very quickly. Number two, there is a shame factor. It's hard to actually get help for that rather than with alcohol or drugs. Number three, because it involves simply just money, people try to replace it with money. And they go to different, unfortunately, illegal acts. So you get very good people who are in desperate situations trying to make up the $10,000 they just lost. So we're going to see more of that. That's a guarantee. Well, thanks so much for, for calling in. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. And now let's go to Owen. And Owen, you're in La Crescent? Yeah. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Um, sure. I just want to echo the, um, you know, the, the uh, conversation about uh, about advertising. I think that it really, uh, you know, a lot of the ads frame it as essentially free money if you have a passable knowledge of sports. And I think that appeals a lot to young men who believe themselves, you know, to have uh, uh higher than average knowledge of sports, um, you know, so that kind of, uh, it, it doesn't frame itself really as a game of chance like other gambling uh, outlets. It frames itself as something that you can win if you just know the right, uh, you know, stats and uh, um, and numbers. And that I think is one of the differences between it and something, you know, advertising like poker or, uh, or blackjack or something like that. Right. And have you ever played it? No, I haven't. Um, just because I know that I have a, a pretty addictive personality. And if I did get started, it, it, I could see how it would, uh, it would, it could possibly get out of control. Um, so I, I have, I have enough, I think self, uh, self-awareness to, to not get into that, but it is really appealing when you see an ad that says, like you know, if uh, you know Jackson, if, if uh, Patrick Mahomes throws one touchdown this weekend, you win two hundred dollars. You know, on DraftKings, and it, it, it is appealing because then you you start to think, oh well, if I could get two hundred dollars in three bets, then I could get four hundred dollars if I just pick you know the winner of the next game right, and that kind of um, that kind of thought process, I think, is encouraged by the advertising where they frame it as uh, something that you do if, that that's just expected almost if you have a knowledge of sports and not something that is uh, explicit. That, you know, that's, that's basically a game of chance. Well, thanks so much for calling in uh, and, by, uh, and sharing your observations. Thank you. And now let's go to Chris in Chan Hansen. And Chris, what uh, what do you see? Well, I was a former employee of uh, a casino for 18 years. 
And when someone wants to gamble, they come to me. And when someone cashes out, they would come to me. So I've seen it all in 18 years of working in the business. And I was a licensed, you know, person of the state. And uh, um, the thing is, whenever our employer would come up with, let's have a new idea, let's, let's, let's shake it up, let's try something new, write down your thoughts, I would always write down, I think what we should do is not let anyone that works here gamble here. Because there's a lot of employees from the establishment just down the street that is the largest gambling house in the state. They do not allow their employees to gamble there. And guess where they would come? They would come to our establishment to gamble. So this never, ever, ever made any tracks with the with the people that I worked with because I found out that 12% of the revenue of that company actually comes from their own employees gambling, if hmm. you can believe it. Wow. Okay. Yes. So what do you think works to help deal with problem gambling from your experience, uh, you know, 18 years on the job, what would you, what would you like to see? I don't think there's much you can regulate with problem gambling. There really isn't. As long as there's an avenue, as long as there's a prospect, as long as there's a bonus point, a freebie, uh, you know, a free play, uh, an enticement, uh, once young kids, which I've seen numerous times play in tournaments and they get the, they get the little nibble, they get the little thought that they can win. They see the chips, they see the, the high life, you know, of some people. I'll tell you one story. Okay. Let's be short because I got to go. Yep. Yes. But please. Yep. Sure. Normal player comes up. We got a jackpot, gave him the chips. Everybody in the room wants to know about it because they're looking for a tip. Guy comes up. I paid him about 38 grand cash. Next day I come to work. Same guy comes up to me, gives me his credit card. Can I get 500? Mm. I'm like, sure. Nope. Can't get it. You're over your limit. 400? Nope. Can't get it. 300? Yep. Here's 300. Good luck, sir. Wow. $38,000 in one day you lost. And I've seen it countless times happen. Countless. Well, thanks so much for calling in. Thank you. And David and Stillwater, I wanted to get to you in a moment, but first I want to turn to Susan and just, you know, these three callers who have come in. You know, what is your... You know, what's your takeaway? What is your reaction? All of them are raising very legitimate points. And I think in terms of advertising, we as a state have the ability in the legislation that we write that we do not have to accept what is currently occurring in other states with regard to advertising. We can write the rules. So I would ask, implore the legislators to be really careful and mindful about what gets written, what is allowed, who gets to see the advertising, how often the advertising is made available, that there should be an equal balance of betting um, opportunities as well as advertising for services available to people who have problem gambling. We cannot continue to to sweep this under the carpet. This is a real addiction. It does um, unfortunately drive some people to crime. But I would also implore the judicial system. We need to be more empathetic to people who have addictions. They're not driven to crime 
because they they just want to get get money. It's the addiction that is driving them to that. We have to have better understanding. I'm not saying they shouldn't be held accountable for their crimes, but we need to be more empathetic towards let's help them make restitution. Let's help them uh, become, you know, the person they're really meant to be um, and let them uh, seek recovery. Um, And as far as employees at casinos, we know this is an issue. Um, And all we can do is continue to have conversations with the operators to make sure their employees are trained properly and and to have to make sure that services are made available to them as well if they're indicating some kind of addiction to gambling. And now let's go to uh, David in Stillwater. And David, what is your question or what are you thinking about? Yeah, I... Uh I just wanted to address the concept of uh, purity of sport, right? Um, It feels like, you know, a lot of the emphasis now, and maybe it's the advertising we're talking about and that kind of thing, is on gambling. And I remember, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, you had the Bud Light night and a bunch of alcohol commercials. Um, and that, that's just something that I guess I've experienced. I'm, I'm 31. It, it's something that I've experienced growing up. It's always been part of the game. And I feel like maybe what we're doing is we're adding one more vice to the game, right? We're adding gambling, we're adding alcohol, and at some point the purity of sport is lost. And one of the other callers had mentioned that people get into the hole, they get into a bad spot, and then they come up with a way to, to recapture that money, right? And I don't think that players, and I don't think that officials in the NFL, referees, things like that, um, or in any sport, not just the NFL, I guess I shouldn't pick on them, are necessarily immune to those pressures. So my, my uh, question or my comment would be, what is being done to make sure that sport remains the main draw of these uh, these contests, and yep. not alcohol and gambling and those kinds of things. And I'll listen off the air. Thank you. So, Su- Susan, any thoughts? Interesting, interesting uh, question to raise. I think um, the leagues have a huge responsibility in making sure uh, that they preserve the integrity of the game. I would agree. I, I am concerned about sports in general. I'm not sure. Um, People will be watching for the game anymore. You know that that's that's a, tr- a true concern. Um, but I think, and the other concern we have with sports betting, particularly at the college level, is that it puts athletes at risk, um, either to form their own gambling addiction or the the negative feedback and threats they get from betters, because if they didn't make the play that a better place to wager on, um, we know that players are, are receiving really serious threats against their, their, their personal well-being. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Um, no, right. no kid signs up to play football to, to be threatened. Yeah. And one of the things that is striking, um, how it seems that, uh, and are you seeing this sports betting being normalized on college campuses? Well, so eight universities so far um, have signed contracts with licensees, um, so the FanDuel's and, and uh, DraftKings of the world. 
Um, we Are think any of these in Minnesota? None in Minnesota. Because okay. sports betting is not legal, legal. in right. Minnesota. And, and just to say, if you are betting on sports on your phone, just be aware you're being uh, – you're sent to an offshore site, which is totally unregulated and very predatory. So just to make that clear. Okay. Um, but these eight universities have signed contracts. They've gotten, you know, a fair share of money. But to me, it's 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 a it's akin to what the credit card um, industry did when I was in college, right? So they're basically um, selling, enabling the uh, the university list, the student list, to be sold to these companies to advertise. And in Ohio which just started sports uh, gambling January 1st, um, one of the uh, licensors, and I can't remember which one it was, but they completely blanketed every university in Ohio with advertising, which was completely against the law. So now they'll be faced with some financial um, assessments, but ultimately – they, they got what they wanted. The advertising reached the students. So we have to be really careful about the exposure to, to young people because we know they're the most vulnerable. So do you sometimes feel like Sisyphus that you're uh, – <laughs> in terms of, you know, because it is it has gone mainstream and increasingly goes mainstream? Well, that's why I appreciate opportunities like this, to be able to talk to a wider audience of people. We all need to be aware of this addiction. And I think the more we're aware, the more we can work towards preventing those that genetically or whatever have a predilection towards addiction. We have no prevention materials in the schools. That to me is outrageous. There is, there is no reason why we should not be talking about this to middle schoolers and high schools. And um, it's it's something I'm imploring the state to do, and you know it. But again, it's about educating and making people aware. There will always be those that become addicted. We can't stop addiction, but we can stop. We can minimize numbers, and we can minimize harms if we all look at it from a sustainability point of view. Because look at you know, do you want to? burn your customers out to the point where they can't continue to gamble? I mean, that that's not a good business model. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, there are things that we can all be doing that for that percentage of, uh, of people who are, become addicted, we can really help them. And how much uh, coordination is there among states with comparable organizations to yours around the country? So we're the state affiliate to the National Council on Problem Gambling, and I serve on the national board. Um, We have 36 affiliates. Not every state has an affiliate, um, but we work pretty closely together. Um, uh, We're kind of like incubator spaces in in terms of creating programming uh, and education opportunities. Um, And so, and we're very connected to NCPG. So there is a very coordinated effort. And let's go to um, Anne in St. Paul. And Anne, what is your question? My question is, um, I'd, I'd just like your, your panel to speak a little bit more about this notion that our legislators who are against this um, are saying that, you know, sort of a foregone conclusion, 
our neighboring states are doing it. We should get on board. We're missing out. I guess um, I don't always agree that just because the neighbors are doing it, it's necessarily good for us. Um, I'm concerned about the the fact that intermittent reinforcement is the strongest kind and that we already have all these propensities to do things, spend too much time doing things that are very intermittently reinforcing, like in all the ways that we do, from gaming to social media to the way we're consuming alcohol um, and and marijuana. I just think we all are already very vulnerable. So I'd like to hear more about this foregone conclusion that um, we're hearing from state legislators that they, they feel hamstrung. Susan? Yep. Yeah, thank you very much. Th- thanks for calling in. And so, Susan, you know, the sense that, look, if everybody else is doing it, we got it. We, we have to join this bandwagon. It doesn't have to be that way. We take a neutral position on legalization, so we are neither for or, or against. However, if any legislation is passed, we want it to be the best in terms of consumer protections. Um I I see uh, the caller's concern. Um, it doesn't have to be that way, but um, you know, every legislature is going to make its his or their hers own decision regarding what they're hearing from their constituency. Um, and I think there is a large constituency in Minnesota that has indicated they are pro sports betting. And so, you know, as we as we look ahead in, in the legislature, what are you going to be watching? What are you going to be paying attention to? And what should, therefore, other people who are, you know, some of our callers who are concerned about, like, you know, Anne from St. Paul, you know, what should they be paying attention to? Who are some of the players that they should um, be following? Well, uh, on the House side, uh, Representative Zach Stevenson uh, led the uh, the bill, the House bill, last session. Uh, and I am presuming he is going to do the same this session. Uh, in the Senate side, I think it's uh, Karen Housley who will be uh, leading the effort there. Um, but I'm, I'm not certain uh, who the other players are. But in terms of what the content of the bill, uh, the language was changed last year to um, up the age from 18 to 21, which I think is a great, great thing. We are looking more at what is being put in with regard to advertising um, regulations and um, funding. Funding is really important. We want to see as much funding go towards gambling services um, as we can muster. Um, we need and how receptive is that message? Uh, I think it depends on on uh, who you're talking to. Um, some people see this as uh, another opportunity for other state programs to be to be funded. Um, but if we're going to increase uh, gambling, then the uh, the funding should also be cre- increased for handling the the addiction services. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this has been terrific, a terrific thank conversation, you. and thank Great. you to the people who called in. Susan Sheridan Tucker is the Executive Director of the Minnesota Alliance on Problem Gambling. Rochelle Olson is a political and government reporter for the Star Tribune. And this conversation was produced by Matt Alvarez. And listen, you know, be safe, everyone. And um, I'll be talking to you Monday morning at 9. 
Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.